I firmly believe that everyone has the opportunity to change their health, okay? No one should accept poor health as a given. So today, we're gonna to find out the key differences between nature versus nurture, and why you need to understand and control your environments. The world has gone crazy with pandemics, a global health crisis, toxic food, and technology taking over. Taking over. Welcome to Man vs. Death, How to Dodge the Reaper. The Reaper. The Reaper. <clears throat> All right. Enough of that silliness. The big question is this. In today's hectic, crazy world, how can busy professionals like us not only survive, but thrive and rise above all the threats every day to live long and prosper? This podcast will provide key tips, tricks, hacks, and experts to guide you to amazing health and hopefully a longer life. Welcome to Man vs. Death with your host, Ian Ayer. Okay, so today we're going to be looking at the key differences between nature, or DNA, and nurture, epigenetics. Okay, how and why it affects absolutely everyone. How to maximize what you've got, and how to get ahead and stay on top with the cards you've been dealt. Okay, so there's going to be a few words in here today that you may or may not be familiar with. That's okay, we're going to address them today and give you a basic understanding, if you don't already have it, of the difference between the two. Now, if you were to look at me today, okay, you'd be forgiven in thinking that, you know, my parents would have been inherently tall, slim, and probably of athletic build, okay? But sadly, this just could not be any further from the truth. I'm at the moment currently at nearly 42. I'm in single digits for body fat most of the year anyway, but I am at the moment, and uh, generally most of the year is how I spend my time. I'm definitely leaner and stronger than most 20-year-olds, miles fitter as well. Uh, and I know this because I've got uh, a son who's in college and university age and, you know, a lot of really fit young guys there. But generally speaking, I'm pre pretty good when I stack up against those guys. Um, I'm much, much fitter, as I say, and I look like it. And the main difference is I'm 42. You know, they're in their 20s, okay? So I want to make it really clear that there's no, the way I look today is a direct reflection of how I've eaten, how I've trained, how I've recovered and invested time, effort and care into my body, well-being and fitness, all right? It's definitely not from winning the genetic lottery. So I want to make that abundantly, abundantly clear. I mean, in fact, if I were a product of my genes solely, I'd be overweight, suffering heart disease, be very out of shape and I'd have all kinds of other medical conditions that would be caused by my genetic makeup, okay? So not so much a genetic jackpot, but rather spending 20 quid to win a free game, <laughs> which is, I'm sure you can appreciate, it's probably not the situation you want to be in. Well, de definitely not for me anyway. So what is the big difference, and why am I in a very different state of health and fitness? Well, the easy answer is working out and eating right, okay? Now, sure. That's a given, of course, but there's a bigger, bigger factor here at play, and it's called epigenetics. And in other words, the reason that everybody is different is down to epigenetics. And I'm going to explain exactly what that means in a minute. But firstly, if you know my background, 
okay, you'll know, or if you don't, I'll tell you, you'll know that I was very, very unhealthy and I did not look after my body many years ago, okay? But where I am today is off the back of hard work, a complete nutrition, exercise, mindset, and even life refocus and shift and, and rebuild, okay? Prioritizing feeling good over poisoning myself, both physically and mentally. And I really had to make that change a long time ago. And I've done that sustainably for a long time now. And it was a really, really long road to cement those habits because they weren't second nature to me. The routines and rituals that I put in place, I spent a great deal of time learning through trial and error and trying to make them consistent. And for the most part, I did that without a guide. I did that off my own back. But the bottom line is I changed my destiny. I changed what my DNA had in place for me because previously my fate was written in my genes and then backed up by my poor lifestyle choices. But I decided I wanted a different path, so that's what I set out to do. And during my, during my journey, many times, I would do the things that books, magazines, and online forums said I should do if I wanted to lose fat or gain muscle and eat the right foods. However, what I noticed was that many times over, what was suggested didn't always result in actually great gains like they suggested they would do. I wouldn't feel amazing. I wouldn't get bigger. I wouldn't lose fat. I wouldn't improve my health even. And a massive example of this was uh, eating dairy, for example. It was hugely popular back in the sort of late 90s that uh, to maximize uh, muscle, you should be really having a really dairy-rich diet, okay? That would be an optimal, optimal place to be. But for me, this was really no good because it led to stomach issues. It led to really bad stomach issues that meant it affected my sleep, which meant it affected my concentration, my cognitive function, and my ability to perform in and out of the gym or sport the next day. So for me, whilst yes, dairy is a great source of protein and other essential fats and everything else, and it could be a fantastic dietary source, for me personally, it was terrible. So it wasn't any good. I was also told previously that I had to train in certain ways by experts in their field because that's how top athletes trained, okay? I mean, this is still common practice today. You see this a lot, you know, you must do this because that is the way. But quite often when I followed programs like that or I followed ideas like that, I got little to no results. And I just didn't know why because I was doing everything they suggested to do. I was going on the kind of diet plans they were suggested to to bulk up or to slim down and to gain muscle. And I was doing the exercise they were telling me to do. Quite often I'd get to the end of a cycle of four, six, eight weeks or whatever it be. And honestly, I just felt a little bit despondent because I wasn't getting the results. I wasn't really pushing forward and it just felt like a bit of a waste of time. But then the worst bit, the real sting in the tail was me not only getting fed up and paying a lot for what was basically generic advice, okay? I wasn't getting anywhere, but worse than that, I actually ended up getting really injured from it, okay? So to say that I was frustrated and angry and upset was a complete understatement. I was going in circles and spinning my wheels on a daily basis. I just didn't realize it at the time. Don't get me wrong, anybody following the core essential foundations of health that everyone can benefit from, such as staying hydrated, eating a whole food diet, getting the right amount of movement each day, and the right amount of sleep, etc. These are things that everyone can benefit from, and if you follow them, they're gonna get you somewhere. You should always see positive changes in health, fitness, and body composition if you do that. 
but they are the basics, okay? That is almost like the minimum you should do to survive, okay? Not necessarily to thrive. So when you're ready to go beyond the basics, when you want more than that, when you're like, well, I'm happy living and being okay, but I actually want to perform at my peak or I want to feel fantastic or look amazing, that's when you need to go beyond the basics. And that's when we can leverage our DNA and epigenetics. And that's exactly what I did. And when I did that and I leveraged my, uh, my DNA, my results absolutely skyrocketed. I was able to feel great. I had bags of energy. And very, very, very quickly, I started to see the results of muscle build and fat dripping off, which is what I wanted for years. And it felt amazing. The effort level went down, but the gains went up. So I thought that that was a really, really good thing to do. Uh, that's when I decided to study it for myself. And when I was able to help myself, I then learned how to help others and by studying both fields, DNA and epigenetics, it really helped my clients to raise their game and rise their results quickly and quicker and quicker. And I knew this was really basically a, a very big game changer and it can certainly help you too. So today I just really wanted to cover the basics of, of how to get to grips of what you can do and how to benefit from both sides of the coin, the DNA, the nature, and also the epigenetics, the nurture. Okay. so. First of all, if you can understand what your DNA or your gene markers mean and how to read them, for example, by DNA te te fitness testing, then we can glean a comprehensive picture of your body's key attributes when it comes to health, fitness, and body composition. And because everybody is different, and I, I stress that word again, it's two words, it's not one, every body is different. Not as in like every person, you know, Dave's different to to Frank, Frank's different to Molly. I mean, every living body is different, okay? We're all 99.9% .9 the same, genetically speaking. But it's that 0.1% that makes all the difference. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? It really does. We're 99.9% .9 the same. How can that 0.1% make all the difference? Well, it does. And that's why different people respond differently to the same types of training, for example. Um, if you take two people, one might have a great fat loss response like I do to resistance or weight training, but you may have a better fat loss response to cardio, okay? So some people will be able to build muscle effectively with a low protein diet. Others will require a much higher intake. There truly is no one size fits all approach, okay? As I said, there's the basic building blocks of fitness and health, but they are the basic building blocks and they'll only take you so far. And it's precisely this type of information which allows top athletes to excel, okay? So when you see a program that says like, follow this program as the top athletes do, it may have worked for a top athlete. It may have worked for a series of top athletes, but only if their body responds to those mechanisms, okay? But it's exactly that that allows them to excel because in their team, you know, whatever athlete you want, whether it's a boxer, for example, in that team behind them, they'll have the stats and ability to action exactly what that athlete needs, okay? And until a couple of years ago, it really was only top athletes that could quickly and easily get this data and actually use it. But now we've got at-home DNA fitness testing, okay? I mean, I've got kits I can send out to my clients. They can get the results in a few weeks and we can create a bespoke plan just for them very, very simply, very, very easily. But previously, it wasn't the case. You know, you had to go for lots and lots of tests. Uh, you had to go into a lab. 
and it would take weeks and weeks and weeks, if not months, to get the full data back. But you had a team of people around you if you're a top athlete and they were pushing you forward anyway. So once you actually understand and you know what your DNA says about your body, it's extremely useful and it can really uncover some hidden answers to questions that you probably never even thought to ask before. Um, I mean, for example, the longest time scientists and the public really were living by the deep-rooted notion that our genes are our destiny. But then we encounter epigenetics, okay? And epigenetics pretty much kicks that theory into touch. So to give you an idea, genes are what you've inherited from your parents, okay? Not your Levi's, obviously. We're talking about your DNA, okay? The things that make your eyes blue or green or brown, for example. And epigenetics are the expression of those genes that you've got from your parents, all right? You see, it turns out the expression of your genes is a direct reflection of your life's environment. Now, environment, by that we mean what you eat, what you drink, what you see, where you live, who you converse with, everything that goes into your environment. Um, but there's a few that we can't really equate to, okay? But there's very, very tangible elements here that we can look at. So that's what we're gonna look at. We're gonna look at the big tangible elements. So number one, the nutrient status of your body. In other words, what you eat. And number two, your actual living environment, including exposure to chemicals, stresses, and a few, many, a few other factors as well. Now our genes are very, very responsive to those particular inputs, okay? So that's why we're gonna focus on them. Now, if you look at epigenetics, what it is, is effectively the study of heritable chemical marks on specific parts of the DNA that adjust the expression of our genes without actually affecting the underlying genetic sequence. So essentially, chemical marks that are attached or removed from our DNA can influence our phenotype without ever altering our genotype. Stay with me. <laughs> In other words, what that means is it doesn't alter the DNA strands, just their expression and the effects that they can then have on our body. And it's really clear now and obvious to everyone in the scientific community that our lifestyle and exposure to environmental factors, specifically in early development, but also throughout the course of the rest of our lives, has a massive influence on our health and our susceptibility to disease. And that health, of course, is not just physical health, but also mental health as well. Um, give you an example of that, we know it's an absolute given, okay, that consuming too much sugar leads to obesity and it can set us up for diseases like diabetes or heart disease. And epigenetics gives us the insight into a part of the underlying mechanisms related to diet, disease and our health and how it all links together. Marks on genes that shouldn't be there or marks that are removed when they should stay put have been connected to devastating effects on the body. So. The growth of tumors, for example, and development of disease, these are two things that are connected to marks on the genes that shouldn't be there or have been removed when they should stay put. And if the, the development of disease comes from, you know, um, these marks being removed or being added, and they can lead to things, obviously, tumors can lead to obesity, cardiovascular disease, chronic inflammation, um, as well as much more deadly ones, as we know. So if you think of it like this, okay, it's kind of like the ability to turn a light on. Some genes can be, become activated, and that can be a good thing or a bad thing, turning the light on. Others are able to be switched off, like turning the light off, which again can be good or bad, depending on which ones they are. 
how does this happen? How do we switch these on and off? Well, we can manipulate the dietary bioactive compounds that we consume in order to affect epigenetic alterations that have been shown to be involved in the acceleration of numerous diseases, such as the ones we've already mentioned, things like diabetes, chronic inflammation, even cancers. So hopefully you can see why this is important, but if you can't, well, consider this. Currently, 40% of the world's adults are obese. 40%, okay? In the United States alone, it's just under 40. And the UK, it's just under 30. But globally, 40% of the world's adults are now obese. Now, obesity isn't just about looks. It isn't just about, like, oh, you're a bit heavier, or about taking up a bit more space on a, on a plane seat or anything like that, okay? We seem to have become a bit desensitized to obesity in this day and age because certainly when I was growing up, if you saw someone who was what you would now consider to be obese, they would have very much stuck out of society. Now, obesity is a lot more commonplace. So it's, it's not something, we've become very, very desensitized to it. And, and with anything in life, if you become desensitized, the fear factor of it goes, but absolutely should not be the case. Because what obesity does is it sets you up for multiple health disorders, okay? And increases your likelihood of an early death. Simple as that. Really, really ramps that up. So if you consider that, as I said, 40% of the world's citizens are likely now to die early from preventable causes and diseases. So I'll say that again. Because of obesity, because of eating certain foods, because of turning certain markers on your genes on, and turning other ones off for our environments, what we eat, where we spend our time, what we do or don't do, up to 40% of the world's citizens that are alive today are gonna die early from preventable diseases. That is crazy. So if you know that, if you understand that, you understand you have the power to change your own destiny. That's exactly what I did years ago. I didn't know I was doing that at the time, it took research, it took experimentation, and it took understanding of what exactly was going on. And it took science to catch up as well, which it has done. But now I understand, and you can too. So speaking of obesity then, let's look at that, because research has really shown that there may even be a genetic, an epigenetic switch that actually, once it's turned on, could actually set you up for obesity later in life. So in other words, like a real silent killer switch, yeah? Talk about self-sabotage, right? So you might be look, you might look and, and be thin and be athletic for many, many years, but you may have done something or constantly eat something or constantly not eat something that has switched on an invisible switch that means that later in life, no matter what you do now, obesity is gonna kick in. So if you think about that, we all believe in you know the sort of middle-aged spread myth, right? But if you think about it and you understand now, that is a myth. You don't need to accept that when you hit middle age, for example, you will pork out. You don't have to. What you actually need to do is change the things in your diet and your environment. Okay, it doesn't have to be that way. But it goes even further than that. There's even epigenetic marks which influence signaling pathways that can help predict a person's likelihood of actually developing type two diabetes or even play a role in a person's chances for developing addictive behaviors. So that's, that's kind of crazy, right? It really, really does. I mean, you can see this now. It really has a massive influence over who we are and how we are. 
So if you consider those markers as something that's going to switch on and make you obese, there's something that's going to make that obesity lead to all kinds of diseases. There's something that can influence your ability to develop addictive behaviors to the foods that you shouldn't be having and to doing the things you don't you shouldn't be doing and obviously increasing things like type 2 diabetes etc so it's massive it's absolutely massive so as you can now see hopefully we personally have a responsibility and we have control over a lot of things that actually happen in our lives okay and more importantly we have the ability to nip things in the bud before they get out of hand. So you might be thinking, cool, that sounds good. There's hope, there's promise, and there is, but how? All right, well, let's take a look at the epigenetic influence that foods and supplements have on your body because that's something that we can all have an impact on, isn't it, on a daily basis by choosing what we actually consume, right? Choosing what we buy, choosing what we eat, and choosing what we put in our body. So research shows that nutrients in different foods and supplements are able to adjust or even reverse some epigenetic mechanisms. Now, along with diet, and you hear this a lot on this show, but you'll hear it a lot everywhere, exercise can also have a massive influence on the epigenome as well. Numerous foods, supplements, and all kinds of other things tested support the notion that epigenetics is highly involved in adjusting epigenetic tags, affecting our health and our susceptibility to disease. And I'm going to give you a key example of that right now. So if we look at phytochemicals, for example, um, these are chemical compounds produced by plants. Now, specifically, if we break that down a bit further, we're talking about here right now, polyphenols. Now, you've probably heard of polyphenols. If you haven't, they're found in fruits. Things like grapes, for example, are a massively great source of those. But that's grapes, not wine. Okay, yes, they do exist in wine. And yes, there's a high count in red wine. And yes, a small amount of red wine is not going to be terrible for you. But, you know, I'm not saying to you go and drink loads of red wine because that's not going to give you the effects that you need. But getting it from the grape itself, really good source of polyphenols. Now, vegetables, olives, chocolate, all great sources of polyphenols, okay? And they're shown to be very effective in promoting resilience against stress in the body, stress in the cells, and even reducing depression, Okay, so phytochemicals like polyphenols, for example, are really interesting to the scientific and health community at the moment because they've got such strong properties that contribute to health and wellness, such as, for example, their antioxidants. Okay, so they fight free radicals in the body. And we're talking about free radicals, we're talking about rogue cells that are going around recruiting other rogue cells or converting other cells to rogue cells and then basically multiplying, creating clusters that effectively start to create tumors that's a very basic very broad idea but it gives you an idea of a picture of kind of what's going on there okay so antioxidants fight those free radicals they break down those cells before they run around the body causing damage that's a key key thing to long-term survival it's the kind of thing that helps you to nip cancers in the bud before they develop helps you to stop malformations in your body on a cellular level they're also massive massively anti-inflammatory again chronic inflammation is becoming a bigger and bigger bigger problem in everywhere in the world now and with things like obesity on the rise as i say 40 percent of the world's populations adults are now obese if you got if wind that back 10 years it was under 30 percent so in 10 years we've gone up over 10 percent 
which is crazy. You can see where the future goes if we don't do anything about it. But anti-inflammatory properties are huge because day-to-day -day stresses, um, exercising in the wrong way, lack of sleep, bad nutrition, all of these things can help aggravate chronic inflammation. And chronic inflammation leads to all kinds of disease, discomfort, and premature death. So we want to avoid that. They're also antimicrobial. Brilliant. I mean, look at this year. Obviously, that's been a big thing, isn't it? Looking at how to um, how to keep things clean, how to keep your hands clean, etc. Antimicrobial. You can be taking these things, and they can be killing bugs internally for you. So, like little assassins going in there, killing bugs that might otherwise do any harm. So that's great. And a big one, an absolute huge one, is they're also anti-tumorigenic. In other words, they help stop the production of tumors, which is fantastic. So. Talking about inflammation, I mean, inflammation detection is absolutely crucial, okay? Because inflammation is involved in every step of tumor production in the body. So when it's trying to protect, to protect against the development of cancer, for example, it's useful to understand and examine the inflammation in the body as an indicator or possible precursor as to what may be happening. So it's really, really crucial that we understand. And here's an example of that. I mean, biochemically, there are really inflammatory compounds that are self-perpetuating known as hydroxyl radicals and perioxyl nitrates. Now stay with me on this one, okay? Because we're gonna look at one gene specifically and give you an example of how this works. And this is the SOD gene. Now, epigenetic variants associated with the SOD gene can lead to an abundance of superoxide, which in turn leads to inflammation. And superoxide is developed in the creation of energy in the body. But it's also developed in abundance during a process called NOS uncoupling, uncoupling, not uncoupling. And this reads this leads to peroxynitrate. I apologize. It's very hard to say these things. <laughs> these are not words that roll off the tongue, but bear with me. So it leads to peroxynitrate, which is a super inflammatory compound that I mentioned a second ago. Okay. So Recap that bit in case you have lost you here. There's inflammatory compounds, two specifically that are self-perpetuating, okay? Hydroxyl radicals and peroxynitrates. And with the SOD gene specifically, epigenetic variants associated with that gene can lead to an abundance of superoxide, which in turn leads to inflammation. And superoxide happens when you create energy in the body, but it's also developed in abundance during NOS uncoupling. And that leads to the creation of peroxynitrate, which is super, super inflammatory. Now, by assessing variants in an individual's SOD and catalase genes, for example, we can determine their exact likelihood of developing these inflammatory compounds and try to reduce them before they become an issue. In other words, we can future-proof bodies, we can help people prevent things tumors, cancers, etc., before they even become an issue, rather than constantly trying to firefight the symptom end of things when it's got too late. And hopefully, with that information, we can save millions and millions and millions of lives. So it's really, really vital that we understand how bad chronic inflammation is in our body, and we understand what we can do about it. Now, along with inflammation, another massive key indicator, which is crucial to our health, is DNA damage. And that is massively linked to why we grow older, 
and while we age visually um, and physically in the body and while we might develop certain diseases like cancer for example and that's where certain foods like uh, known as superfoods which i'm sure you've probably heard of can help in that battle so again coming back to kind of like the the antioxidant side of things blueberries for example are incredibly high in antioxidants and it's thought that this superfood specifically can epigenetically reduce dna damage what does that mean it means that it can help protect humans against cancers and possibly even slow down aging so i'm guessing right about now you're probably thinking shopping list blueberries 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 maybe grapes and you'd be right you'd be absolutely right assuming of course you don't have any allergies or side effects to those things okay but let's look at another environmental issue and this is a big one air pollution okay because this for sure has a massive negative impact on our health and it's been proven in many many different ways but importantly it's not just a case of oh you know it, the air pollution is bad today so we've got asthma sufferers are going to really really feel the effects but we're talking about it can actually adjust important chemical tags on our dna so it's been shown to alter tags on the dna that can increase our risk for neurodegenerative diseases for example exposure to uh, particulate matters from exhaust fumes has been connected to strokes alzheimer's parkinson's disease cognitive impairments and neurodevelopmental disorders all over the place and that is all over the world and this keeps getting better and better research into showing how big this really is affecting us so i'm not here to preach about getting a car that's eco-friendly or whatever but what i will say is this if you have a choice over where you live if you have a choice of wearing a face mask for example in a busy city um i'm not talking about you know kind of covid face mask but if you've got one that filters particulates out and you ride a bike to the city you should probably will do very well to wear it you know absolutely if you have a choice to live in the city and out of the city again probably better off living out of the city now i know not everyone has a choice but there's things you can do as i say like wearing a mask in a built-up area for example uh driving a car that doesn't pollute all of these sorts of things filtering your water these can all have a massive effect okay um if we look at b vitamins for example now they b vitamins are great because they have the potential to epigenetically protect us against some harmful pollutions which we definitely come into contact with at different stages of our lives and in various locations around the world obviously some are much better than others if you take lockdown for example in the first lockdown in the uk we were getting pictures of all over the world where places you know were, were kind of going back to as they used to be you know we were seeing dolphins in um in, in italy appearing in the canals in uh, in venice and we were seeing you know like wild animals coming back into communities where they would normally not dare to go because it's too busy for traffic we were seeing the, the the sky looked bluer than it ever had done there was more stars at night all of those things because there was less light pollution less air pollution and it was fantastic and i'm sure i have no doubt about it that stats will come out to show that during those periods people who suffered with um with respiratory diseases probably had a better time than any other time in their life so there's definite evidence, as we know, um, to show that pollution of all kinds, air pollution and everything else around us is doing us a lot of damage. But B vitamins can protect us against some of that. Okay? Um, air pollution itself has even been shown to disturb DNA methylation, methylation profiles, which will even worsen 
inflammatory and oxidative responses. So if we supplement with B vitamins, for example, we've seen this in research, it's been demonstrated that it can be able to prevent these changes and help us keep moving onwards towards our journeys rather than us holding us back. So there's a lot of information, okay? But that's just some of the factors that can play a massive part in your health today and your future. And I wanted to kind of give you that information today. I know it's a bit of an information dump and there's a lot of food for thought there and you can kind of go away and do some research yourself. But the reason I wanted to give you that is because I want to illustrate one important thing. You have control to a large degree as to what happens physically and mentally with your body. Um, and if we stop playing the, the victim card and if we take responsibility and we take control as to what we eat, what we choose to eat, and also take control of and responsibility of the choices of the things we don't do, you know, because if we don't exercise, if we don't eat well, if we don't go to environments that conduce to good health, we have to take responsibility for that. Now, that's not to say that freaky things happen to certain people. And I'm not certainly not saying here saying, you know, if someone has a disease, whatever they deserved it. I've lost family members. I've lost friends to disease, um, to all kinds of illnesses. And I've got people very close to me that are suffering chronic illnesses and disease. And do they deserve it? Absolutely not. If they knew what I now know and what I'm trying to help everyone listening to this know, could they have possibly prevented some of that? The answer is unequivocally yes, absolutely. All of it, maybe not. Some of it, yes, 100%, 100%. So it's more of a choice than anything else. It's more a case of saying, look, if you've got the information, what choice would you make? And hopefully with the right information, which you now have access to, you would say, yes, I would make the choice to do something differently had I've known. And now you do. So hope that helps. I mean, one thing I will say as well is that if you, if you get the whole picture of, your, of a person, let's take a, a random person and say, all of their facets of their life, okay, including their diet, their lifestyle, and their epigenetic profile, it helps them and it helps professionals to make better health choices for them and can help make appropriate individual lifestyle adjustments. And as a scientific community, you know, we're really straying away now from the whole one size fits all mentality of healthcare. Um, if you look at the, the sort of healthcare industry, we can see that more and more. Um, the mental health side of things, more and more again, it's not like there's a generic program you must follow. One size fits all doesn't really work. And we're now beginning to focus more on the individual and work out what individuals need. And to be honest, it's about time because this is stuff that you know we've, we've probably known for a long time, hasn't worked, having this one size fits all approach. But hey, <laughs> as I've mentioned before, not being cynical, but that is what some industries are built on, right? The whole herd mentality and everyone getting the same. But you might also be thinking, okay, so we've heard a lot about epigenetics and DNA here. And if epigenetics is the key, if it's so good and it can help me change my genetics, well, why would I even bother looking at DNA in the first place? Why would I even be looking to see if it can be changed? It's a good question. It's a good question, right? It's fair enough. If you, if you can change everything about your DNA, do you even need to know what your DNA says? Well, I would say that although, yes, some genes some, and it is some, not all genes, but some genes can be activated and deactivated, you still get a big deal of your attributes from your DNA. 
Now, if we can understand what your strengths and potential weaknesses are, then you can create the body, the fitness, the health, and the future you really want with much less time, much less effort, and much less heartache. And that is where things like DNA fitness testing come in because the tests are designed by experts, geneticists, nutritionists to discover your genetic fitness blueprint, okay? It analyzes your DNA from when you were born and teaches you how over 40 of your genes are specifically related to your fitness, your health, and your nutrition. And then what we do effectively is take that data, combine it with some of your environmental epigenetic data, so things like your weight currently, obviously not when you were born, your height, your diet, all the things you're kind of inputting now, and then that produces a better analysis of where you were versus where you are. From that, we can then create a fully comprehensive and easy to understand breakdown of your needs from a fitness, health, and nutrition perspective. Now, I've personally benefited massively from testing, and I've seen many clients benefit from testing. I personally would say 100% that it's ideal for anyone who is, as I said earlier, looking to go beyond the basics, okay? It's kind of like this. If you look at the term RDA, which is on foods, nutritional supplements, RDA stands for recommended daily allowance, okay? I would say that drinking water, keeping hydrated, not drinking water just a little bit, but keeping hydrated, getting enough sleep, eating nutritious foods, whole foods, and moving as much as your body requires to you in that day, I would say that is your recommended daily allowance of health benefits. Now, what it should say instead of RDA is it should say your minimum recommended daily allowance. And it does on a lot of things now. It says minimum rather than just recommended because what happened a few years ago is that RDA was the big thing. Everyone was like, oh, I take these vitamin supplements, oh, I eat this, and it's it's 100% of my RDA if I have that, like you've heard the term, five a day. Honestly speaking, from a nutritional standpoint, five a day when it comes to vegetables is not enough. You wanna be talking about 15 a day, yeah? 10 a day to 15 a day of portions of vegetables and then fruit, yeah? So not 15 of vegetables, 15 of fruit, but in total, okay? That would be much more aligned to how you protect your body and keep it working in tip-top order. Five a day is not really getting you anywhere where you need to be, but it's the minimum recommended daily allowance because it's much more achievable for most people to hit that target than it would be to hit 15 portions, okay? So this is exactly the same thing. If you wanna go beyond the minimum recommended daily allowance, if you wanna get the best results you've ever had, if you wanna feel amazing, if you wanna have great energy, look fantastic, perform at your peak, not only in the short term, like in a challenge scenario, but long term, then I'd say 100% understanding your body from a DNA and epigenetic point of view is an absolute must because it's gonna teach you how to improve your speed, your fat burning, your endurance, your recovery time, your muscle building, your energy management, pretty much everything that you've ever wanted to be able to control and not relinquish to the power of a generic program, okay? And most importantly, I think testing, the biggest thing that it does is it highlights to you why you don't get the same results as others who are doing the same workouts or eating the same food because that's the biggest thing, right? 
So once you kind of know your profile, it can really help you to understand how your body reacts to you know things like, as I said earlier on, for me, strength training is brilliant for getting me to burn fat. My body is optimized for that. And I know that through DNA testing. When I then experimented with that and took most of my program down that route, massively increased my fat burning potential. Um, but it can show you how to optimize your individual muscle size, strength, uh, everything to do with your fitness. Um, it could even tell you what type of cardio is most effective for you as well. Again, you have to bear in mind that what you were born with and what you've now changed to become adapted to via epigenetics will change. So that's why really we need to interpret that data and actually give you a bespoke plan based on not only what your DNA said, but also where you are epigenetically speaking as well. And it works for everyone because every body is different, as I said. But the more you know about your body, the easier it is to get the results you really, really want. And that's certainly with the case in my experience and in the experience of my clients, I've helped with that as well. So aside from the fitness data, DNA testing can also reveal predispositions your body has towards disease or injuries. And again, if you know that in advance, if you know, for example, that you are likely to be predisposed to things like heart disease, well, you wanna do your best to try and protect against that, right? And if you don't know that, you might be doing things that are actually gonna exacerbate that situation. And that's a real, real shame because we could have avoided that by just changing a few things. So if you know that you can alter, you know, these things can be altered or affected by what you eat, you know what to look out for. We can tailor the lifestyle to avoid these health conditions. And, you know, it's going to give you much, much better output in the long run. And it's the same with things like insulin deficiency as well. Uh, if, if you're likely to become insulin deficient, it can tell you. So it might be time, for example, if, it is that, if that does flag, flag up for you to decrease your carbohydrate com, uh, consumption, take it down. Um, if you're not, then that's great. That might be beneficial for you. Again, another reason why it's good for one person, not necessarily for the other. So the bottom line is when you think about it, most health, fitness and dietary programs fail for two reasons. Number one, because they're not optimized for individual genetic differences. With testing, obviously, you can get yourself off to the best possible start and you know where you are. And number two, the other big reason they fail is because you don't have accountability. So if you combine those two elements, you get the genetic data and you get the accountability, then you've got a real recipe for success. So that is a dive into DNA versus epigenetics, why you wanna be tested for it, what you wanna go, if you wanna go beyond the basics, why it's important to understand what the difference is between the two. Go and research your socks off, I hope you do, I hope you find out as much as you can because it's really important to understand, again, I'm gonna hit this point home, that you are in control. You have the power over your body, your future, your destiny in terms of your health, fitness, nutrition. How long do you wanna live? And how do you wanna live? They're the two biggest questions, right? So that's what I'm gonna to say to you today. Look, I hope that's given you food for thought. I hope that you will take away a few things. Number one, the quote, if you ever heard from Hippocrates, let food be thy medicine and let medicine be thy food. You now know it's completely true. Number two, you are what you eat. So if you eat shit, you'll die. <laughs> if you eat amazing food, you'll thrive. Number three, your environment needs to nurture and uplift you. If it doesn't, change it. And you might be saying, no, it's easy for you to say, nope, it's easy for me to do. Because if it doesn't fit in with what I want, I will change it. It might not be overnight, but I will change it. And finally, you do not have to be a victim to your genes. You can choose a different outcome if you want to. So hopefully that's been interesting. 
Hopefully that helps you out on your quest to dodge the reaper. And if you want to find out more about how functional nutritional therapy, um, which looks at epigenetics or DNA testing, looking at your original DNA patterns can improve your life. Join us on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash man versus death, where we share tips, hacks, interviews, and more help to help you level up and dodge the reaper. And that's all for today. Thanks for listening. Share this with someone who needs it. And I'll see you soon. You've been listening to Man vs. Death, a show that's about health, biohacking, and fitness, and how to dodge the Reaper. <laughs> okay, we're being silly. Yes, the world's gone crazy. We got pandemics, a global health crisis, toxic food, technology taking over. It's nuts. But we've put together this show to help you and to help you live a longer life. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun, too. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash man versus death. Till next time, this is Man Versus Death and the Reaper signing off. <laughs> Excuse me.